You are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast. Uh, during the summer, yeah, the spruce small patch up in the Gallant Canyon is pretty good. The the caddis hatch every Mother's Day. There's a it's around Mother's Day out on the Madison River. I've been there where you couldn't even drive your truck too fast because there's so many bugs coming off the river you just couldn't see. <laughs> if you just joined us, um, basically we're talking with Chance Reese. He's out of Manhattan, Montana, uh, just outside of Bozeman. He's a contractor there, but he's an avid fly fisher, and he's uh, he's taking to making his own strike indicators, saving up for uh, kind of the, the dream craft for, for in and around your area, an inflatable uh, not quite sure what kind, but uh, so how far, how how many indicators do you think you need to sell to get to where you need to be? Uh, I think if I sell 7,000, maybe 7,500, I could probably get like an entry level setup <laughs> with paying taxes and et cetera, et cetera, you know. I love it though. You've got a plan here, man. You're going to make it happen. How long do you think that'll take? I don't know. It might I don't know, it really depends on how hard, like, if I can get some good marketing going and, like, I've been working the Instagram kind of and stuff. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. We focus on guides, conservation, resort managers, gear, and talented fly tires bringing usable information to fly fishers. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate. Theflycrate.com is your source for all things fly fishing. The Fly Crate offers a monthly fly club. We select patterns every month for your home waters. With membership, you'll receive flies created to match the hatch in your area, along with the Fly Crate's guide magazine, the convenience of having flies delivered right to your door, some sweet stickers. Discover new patterns and start stocking your fly boxes now. Theflycrate.com. Here's your host, Mark Hopley. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, we're going to head out to Montana, fly fish country for sure. We're going to head to Manhattan, Montana to be specific, just outside of Bozeman. We've got Chance Reese on the line. He's a contractor there. He's he's making a lot of strike indicators lately. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about why he's doing it. We're going to talk about his day-to-day and his passion for chasing fins in the state of Montana. Ch- Chance, thanks for coming on tonight. Hey, thanks for having me. So um, I, we're going to get into what you're up to, uh, this, this boat saving, uh, strike indicator making venture you're out on. But first, anybody I get on the show that's passionate about fly fishing, I always like to take it back to your roots, Chance, and figure out kind of um, what brings you to the water. You know, when did you first start fly fishing? And where did that passion come from? So kind of walk us through your fly fishing journey thus far. So, yeah, I, I, I can't really ever remember a time where I wasn't fly fishing. Uh, my dad was a guide when I was real little uh, down in the Green River. And uh, I just, I always have loved to go down on the water and just fish. We've taken countless trips down the Green, the Bighorn, the Gallatin, the Madison, Nice. everything in like the northwest states so do you like how old would you, how old would you have been man when you started that journey are we talking we're talking toddler we're talking five six seven yeah i would say toddler i have never i honestly don't know how to fish with like a tackle rod i've only fly fished in my life wow that's that's so rare I really, I really couldn't tell you like how to hook a worm onto a hook 
<laughs> That's kind of cool, though. I you're you're one of maybe two or three people I've actually ever talked to on this podcast that has really never done anything else but fly fish. That's pretty neat. So why don't we hit? Oh, wow. on, let's hit on some of your influences. So it sounds like Dad was maybe probably one of the biggest. Um, who have you learned from on your journey so far on uh, in the world of fly fishing? I would say in the world of fly fishing, it was solely my dad. Um, he he was a guide. He used to build bamboo fly rods out here in Manhattan. I've met Tom Morgan when I was a kid. I've met Bill, who built rods with him. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so it's really just my dad. He was really into the industry when I was young. Yeah. Uh, what, what what about now and kind of like uh adult life like who who do you learn from is there youtube stuff you kind of watch is there is there guides or, or buddies that you spend time on the water with that you kind of learn from as well i mean i read a lot of guide books and like fly tying books i like to me about about this this journey you're you're set up so you i got a full disclosure you reached out on instagram said hey how how'd you like to talk about some some strike indicators i'm making i'm trying to save for a boat <laughs> yeah so so t- walk me through that um what kind of boat are you looking to to get and 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 then tell us about uh how you're planning on raising funds for this so, so i'm looking to get into the lines of some type of 13 foot white water rafts like can hit class four or five if it wants but is still smaller than the drift boat so i can go on the smaller rivers and do some different trips i can bounce off of stuff without really worrying about it Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, um, what are you fishing out of now? Sorry, sorry. Not, right now, yeah. I, I, go ahead. Mainly, I fish. I, I wade fish constantly now, and I take like one or two trips in my dad's drift boat a year. But most of the time, I just hike hike down the river from the bridge or something here. Mm-hmm. So, what what is it about uh, inflatable with uh, you know a frame system? That, that, how's that going to change your fishing world? Well, I could throw it, like, on top of a car or on top of a truck. I don't have to have the trailer and everything, so I can, like, throw it over the bridges that don't have ramps for access for, like, the clacker craft or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So it's really about accessibility. I can hit a lot more water that I wouldn't wade to. Right. That makes sense. So And I wouldn't take my jerk boat down either. Is there a certain brand you kind of got your eye on right now? You've been shopping around. What are you looking to pick up eventually? I I'm kind of looking at like the Star Outlaw, but that was just because the price range are like the really cheap of the the good quality rubber, if you will. Mm-hmm. But it really depends on how long it takes me to get there and how antsy I am when I do get there to pull the trigger on it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, I do. So, um, what? Sorry, what? What brand is that? You said Star. I think it's a I think it's a Star Outlaw, but it's a subsidiary of uh, NRS. I think NRS oh, yeah. makes them, but it's just like their name. Yeah, I was thinking of them or like the Air Trib series. They make really cool rafts, but they're they're really expensive. I mean, worth the money, but they're expensive. Right. So tell us how you're planning on making making the money for this, because I have I keep seeing your uh, your indicators popping up on Instagram, um, all over the place. Um, tell us. Yeah, I've been talking to a lot tell, of people. <laughs> tell, tell us about that. How you make them, um, what they look like, and who you're selling them to. 
Well, basically, I've been making them for a few years now because I don't, I don't know. They just popped in my head one day, and I had the O-rings in my toolbox, so I just like cut up some of my dry fly foam and pop them on. Like I don't know, you cut up like strips and then put one O-ring over the strips and then pull the foam through the O-ring mm-hmm. and wrap another O-ring on it. It's really hard to explain. Yeah, I've used but those. Like the picture makes. Yeah, so um, those I know exactly what you're doing. Those those work really well. So and and they're probably if you don't make them all the time, it's probably a little labor intensive. How long does it take you to rattle off a couple of those things? Oh man, I I've uh, I've got a three D printer, so I've built myself a couple of tools to help speed up the process. And I uh, bought a crochet hook actually that helps speed up the process. Hmm. My wife's been helping me make them too, so it's not been too bad. We can crank through a couple hundred in a good, solid evening. Wow! What do you just? What are you selling them for? How much? I'm selling for like ten. Uh, you can get twelve of them for ten dollars right now. Okay. That's, I'm just gonna keep that price until I've made. I kind of want to just make buy the raft off of just strike indicators for for the story, really. <laughs> How? How do uh, how do we find you now? Uh, throw your Instagram handle out there. So if you're looking for some strike indicators, um, where do we reach you at? Yeah, it's fly underscore fish four hundred six, I believe. But really, just go to flyfish four hundred six dot myshopify dot com, and that'll hit you right to my web page, which is always under under construction because I'm not very good at it. So are you making a lot of trips to the post office these days? <laughs> what is, what's your day-to-day? Uh, look like? I actually, I just, I've been doing that all evening, actually. I printed out uh, 50-something labels today, and I'm packing slips, and I'll have to take a trip to the post office tomorrow and send them out. But it hasn't been too bad because I had a problem with my other shipper giving me uh, shipping supplies, so I just got them in today, so I couldn't package the ship today like I wanted to. But Yeah. So you, you, Tomorrow's fine. You do this on a 3D printer, you say? Uh, I just the tool. I made the tool to help me make the okay. Um, strike indicator. Yeah. I could send you a picture of it. It's just like a a hollow bat that I can stretch O rings around. Yep. Yeah. And then I could jump a bunch of foam up into it and pop them off instead of stretching each O ring by hand. If you're fishing the green or wherever you're fishing, if you're fishing your favorite piece of moving water. Um, you know, when things are slightly warmer, what's your go-to color? Cause I notice you're making all kinds of different colors. What's, what's your favorite for visibility? For visibility. Uh, I've been, I just started making different colors. I've been using the the first one I posted, which is like a, a green, orange, and yellow combination. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be good in most conditions, but I have a few white ones and a few yellow ones in my pouch that I really don't care too much. I don't use dragon killers hundred percent of the time yeah but i really like the orange ones that i just made i'm excited to try them out yeah that i know myself chartreuse like that kind of uh, fluorescent kind of yellowy green color and and that bright yeah. orange that orange hard to beat in low light for sure yeah definitely so i want to take a few minutes so I, just to, picked up- I was just going to say i want to take a few minutes to get to know you and your tendencies kind of your day-to-day in and around uh, manhattan montana you ready for a few random questions yeah all right man tunes let's talk music so when you are on your way to the river soon to be hopefully that inflatable nrs you know ratcheted down on the on the back of the truck what are you listening to on the stereo 
Oh, I listen to all kinds of music. But generally, when I'm just taking a quick trip, I don't because it's only two minutes away from my house. I can be on the water, so I usually don't shuffle <laughs> through my phone to find a piece of music or anything. So I just go in silence. Yeah. My wife thinks it's weird that I can drive in silence, but I do it. Yeah, if I'm going to take like a trip down to the river, like the Madison, which is about a 45-minute drive, we're going to be playing some classic rock or some alternative or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, if you're fortunate enough to not even get through a song and hit the river, you're doing something right. Oh, yeah. My, my dad actually moved to this valley because of the rivers. Like, it's right in the sweet spot of Blue Ribbon fly fishing in oh. Montana, for sure. Yeah, you're you're right in the middle of it. That's awesome. Um, let's talk fly patterns, Chance. One go-to fly pattern that you can't live without. So if you're heading out to your favorite stretch of water tomorrow, more often than not, what are you reaching for? Um, I'm probably 50% of the time around here, 75% of the time, I'm grabbing a Prince Nymph Yeah, for the top. Do you tie those yourself? Yeah, I tie all my flies myself. My dad taught me, of course, uh, to tie when I was, I don't know, I was probably like 10 or 8, eight or 10 when I first started tying flies. And yeah. Shoot. I probably only bought $50 worth of flies in my life. Yeah, I, I hear you on that. I, I, I think I started tying when I was 12 or 13, man. You got me beat. And and you, it's almost like I, I never I never think to buy flies. I think, well, the only time I do that chance personally is when it's like, man, that's going to be a lot of work. I don't really feel like cutting that much deer hair. Or, you know, it's like. Yeah, yeah. I feel you there. I definitely do that. If I, if I want like some big nasty grasshopper, I'm going to go buy it. But yeah, I do 90% of my, my bugs are underwater and I've, I've got them nailed down to the rivers I do. So I don't really. Do you very, very often on what I actually toss in the river. Do you like to weight those Prince nymphs? I mean, are you using tungsten beads? How are you weighting those down? Uh, I'm, I'm still rifling through about like a 10,000 pack of brass beads I got years ago. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just throw brass on them. I usually weight the line. Just stick some split shot about eight inches up and yep. I have good, good yeah. results with it. So And of course, one of your foam strike indies. Yeah, yeah. I tossed the theme of bobbers there for a while back when they first came out, and it always felt weird to me, like having it clank against my rod and stuff. Yeah. I, I grew up on the on the yarn, which mm-hmm. I enjoy the yarn, but it just soaks up water if you don't put enough gink on it. And especially this time of year, your gink is ice solid when you're on the river. So, yeah, it's funny. I I agree. <clears throat> There's certain brands that I I I I don't like to use. The lighter they are, the better. But I, I hear you on that, and I think the foam's pretty hard to beat. And like you say, some of those yarn, but they, they if you really soak it up with some, uh, you know, some fly floating, it, it it helps. But they don't they don't ride as high as that foam, do they? No, I don't. I don't think so at all. Yeah, I've been using the foam like pretty much exclusively since I've been making them. I know Umqua makes them too. It's the only place I think I've been able to find online. But yeah. Um, let's talk about your favorite place to talk about fly fishing. So is there a fly shop in your backyard or locally you like to go to a coffee shop, a, you know, a, a, a pub bar? Is there, where do you get your fix when you're not in your waders? Uh, not that many of my friends actually are into fly fishing. I got like a couple of acquaintances that I've been fishing with for a few, a few times, but I'm generally a, a solo act. I kind of, Yep. hit the river by myself uh 
when I'm not on the river, I guess I'm like at a bar. Sometimes we like, I like going to the local breweries around town. Yeah. 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 We don't have any in Manhattan, but Mosin's got a plethora of breweries. I always like talking to people that kind of spend a lot of solo time on the water because I think you must get a lot out of it to spend that much time on your own. If you had to kind of verbalize what you get out of fly fishing, could you do that? Uh, yeah, I could probably I could probably do it in one word, actually. It's just peace. It just it takes away the rest of the world. Like, I got bills, I got a wife, I got everything going on. Mm-hmm. When I'm on the river, I'm thinking... I'm just looking at the river, looking at the water, listening to everything, looking at the eagles in the air. And just, it unclouds my mind. Yeah. Well put. Uh, are you a big sports guy? Let's talk sports. I mean, it's funny. A lot of people I know in Montana, it's it's almost like a melting pot when it comes to professional sports. Um, are you a, you know, a football guy, hockey? Um, where do you get your fix in sports? Yeah, no. Who do you cheer for? No, I don't cheer for anybody, really. <laughs> uh, literally, I, I I used to watch a little bit of football when I played in high school, but yeah. other than that, I've never really been a professional sports fan. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, fill in the blank for me. When I'm not fly fishing, I'm usually doing what? Working. So what, day-to-day, you say you're a contractor. So what what does your day-to-day look like? What do you What are you doing normally? Uh, it depends on like the, the time of the year. So this time of year, I'm usually shoveling snow, getting trash off. Like we have a public trash that I have to deal with and take to the dump and whatnot. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of house remodels, a lot of building or bathroom remodels. In the summer, you can find me. I'll be able to be building fences and porches. Yeah. But cool. I pretty much encompass everything that you can do on a house. What's the best job you've ever had so far? Are you doing it now? Or is it something you might have done? Uh, I've had the same. Oh, sorry. No, no, you go. I've had the same job my entire life, actually. Wow. How many years How many years yeah. have you been working for that company that you're at? So it's a family company. My family owns a, a mobile home park slash RV park. Yeah. Um, I've been working since I was like 14 for them. Wow. How old are you now? So that would be, I'm 28 right now. Yeah. 14 years. That's, yeah, that's, that's a long time. (laughs) I do a lot of solo work also. Yeah. Like just private contracting too. Not like that, but yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. Um, best fly fishing location that you have been. So with, without giving away your secret spots, um, where do you, you know, where do you get your fix when you're actually fishing? Where, where do you like to go? Uh, are you asking like close to home or like all time favorites? I let's go all time. So all time, I got the two are the Green River, uh, Section A, and the Bighorn, right, but down from Yellowtail. Those obviously the tailwaters, but they're no secret. Those two are just yeah, amazing rivers to fish. Nice. Um, I, I want to get back to um, kind of the water and describing your perfect day. This is something I like to ask a lot of my guests, Chance, is describe your dream day. 
So um, let's say you're headed to the Bighorn or you're headed to Madison or you're headed wherever you want to go. You're headed there. What does that look like? Walk us through that as if we were actually in your waiters and taking that walk and, and, and throwing that fly. You know, you, is it start early with a coffee? What kind of fish you're chasing? What kind of flies you're throwing? Just paint us a little picture, if you would. I'm kind of a lazy fisherman, honestly, so I don't really get up early and go unless it's going to be super hot that day. But I like to get up at like 9 and just measle my way out with a cup of coffee and sit on the edge of the bank and tie up all my rigs and just hit the stream all day. I like I like hitting really small creeks and technical water a lot mm-hmm. because it's just the fight's a lot funner when the fish can run around the corner and you have to chase them down <laughs> or get snagged in the trees and stuff to me. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. So now uh, what are you chasing? you chasing browns? you chasing bows? What's your favorite species? Uh, I love chasing big browns because the way they fight and pull down, but... I love catching rainbows because the show they usually put on for you. Mm. They're really jumpy up here. Yeah, and get a little aerial on you for sure. Yeah, I know what you mean. And then I think anything. Yeah, in... I usually I fish. Go ahead. You think anything? Is... I was Go just going to say I think anything in that char family, whether it's like you know like a brook trout or a brown trout, they they dog it. They usually really stay down and 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 they fight like you know they fight like stink, but they they definitely don't get as aerial as a lot of those rainbows. Yeah, yeah. You, you guys got big brook trout where you are, right? Yeah, there are some for sure. Yeah, and but I find they 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 fight very different. Usually, know when you have a brook trout versus um, versus a rainbow because a lot of times the rainbow's up and aerial right away, whereas those um, those brookies tend to dog dog it and just pull pull pull, and they can give you some wicked runs. Don't get me wrong, but they're just built different. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We just we, our brookies here are really small, like they don't get that big. Yeah, well, and I'm talking still waters yeah. too, chance a lot. So you know when you're, I bet you've got, oh, some, yeah, you've sure. probably got some lakes around there where they can grow a little bigger too. I bet. Probably, I don't actually hit the. I'm a river guy. I'm a river rat for sure. Yeah, no, I hear you. If I had more of them, I would be too. Um, so, talk to me about gear. What's your go-to? Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of guys and gals get really, they get, you know, fussy with their gear. But w- what I want to know from you is, as somebody that's been fishing since you could walk, um, basically, what, what do you like to throw? Uh, talk to me about, you know, the length of rods, the weight of the rods, the brands, you, you just kind of your go-tos. Okay. Yeah. So I have a, I think, I believe it's eight foot four classic Winston LT. It's like an IM6. So it's back when Tom was still the owner of Winston Rods. And I've been throwing that for a few years. Other than that, I had a, a rod that my father actually twisted up. It's just like a one of those blank kits you get yep. online. And he twisted it up for me because he was doing the whole bamboo rod business at the time. I enjoyed that. But I love my Winston for sure. Mm. I am I am six too. That's a little slower action rod too, isn't it? Yeah, it's very delicate, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's important, I think, on, on some of the smaller waters for sure. Uh, I got to admit, man, I'm like I'm a, like a fast stick kind of guy, so when I talk to somebody that's either into a glass rod or a slower rod, I have a lot of respect for that because it's, it's a different ball game for sure. Yeah, yeah, growing up around here, it is 
like just staying in the valley there's a lot of like the really good fishing is really technical right or somewhat more technical i, I just like the challenge more now mm-hmm. than i also have a three-way winston that i haven't actually tried out yet that i'm excited to try out this oh, summer that'll be fun so but now it's like a seven foot six where would you take that on like some smaller streams or spring creeks where would you fish that normally well, I would take them. There's a few spring creeks in the valley adjacent to mine, but they make you pay to fish, so I'm not going to do that. Yeah. There's a couple of, um, like, drainage ditches and different um, irrigation canals and stuff around the valley that are excellent because the trout just gets stuck in them and get, like, big, and no one really goes and hunts them down there. Right. So they're basically just weird little canals and creeks. I guess you'd call them. You were mentioning before that, you know, you used to fish a lot with your dad. You learned from him, but he kind of hung him up. He doesn't get out a lot anymore. Does he get out at all? Or is, um, is there any chance you can fish with him? Or is that, is that even a possibility? Yeah, he could get out. Uh, he's had a couple of medical issues, uh, hindering him for the past couple of years, but he's, I have, I'm pretty optimistic. He'll get back out there. I'm going to take him down on the boat for sure. Yeah. We'll We'll get a few more raft trips. That's the way to do it, right? For sure. Yeah, I owe him some rowing too, for sure. Hey, if you could change anything about the sport that you love so much or the pastime, I I hesitate to call it a sport, but I do on occasion. I gotta, but fly fishing, it's kind <laughs> of a way of life. And is there anything, I guess, about it you'd like to change? Or is there anything you think we can do a little better than we are? But I'd say, like, the really quality gear that does last you, it's really expensive mm-hmm. for, like, the entry-level fishermen. So it's really hard because I feel like there needs to be a really good rod company for a lower price point. And I haven't casted any, like, moonshine rods or anything, but I, it's so much harder to learn how to cast on a stick than it is an actual fly rod. Mm-hmm. I think that the gear in general needs to, the price point of the decent gear needs to come down a little bit. Yeah, I think I, I, I agree with that. And I think that's been happening. I mean, you know, you think back, think back 10, 15 years ago, there weren't, you know, you either had a, an entry level fly rod or you had something real high end. There wasn't a lot in, in between. And I think, like you say, there's a lot of, that's always been a, a sweet spot for me that kind of like that hundred to 200 bucks. Cause I mean, if you, you can actually get a lifetime warranty now between two and 300 bucks, that's a good quality rod, which you never really, you know, 15 years ago, that was a stretch. Yeah. And that's the last time I ever like even got a rod. So yeah. Well, Hey, you must be doing something right. It's still working for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to get back to the gear a little bit because, you know, one thing I, I do like to ask somebody that, you know, you're throwing an IM6, you're throwing a, a Winston, um, maybe slightly slower action. And the presentation probably on the waters that you're fishing in Montana is, uh, is so important. What, what kind of fly lines do you throw as far as talk me through the tapers or the type of, um, weights and, uh, the brands you like to throw? Okay, yeah, uh, I ran a scientific anglers for quite a few years. I can't remember what I think it was their mastery or something. Right when they came out, mm-hmm. I liked it. Um, 
then I had their another scientific angler one with like the shark skin texture to it yeah. and I did not like it did not like it at all it it got dirty so fast and it sounded weird coming through the, the rod and everything I hated it for like three years and then got a new line uh, <laughs> I, I, like throw that. Portland. I, I hated it for three years but I but I threw it anyway <laughs> I love it yeah he got it he spent like 80 bucks and then I can't return it or anything, so I just I got my use out of it. It, ca- it casted nice. It just I had to clean it a lot. Right. Well, that 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 goes through the guides differently. I and honestly, uh, I'm no expert on 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 lines, but I have talked to other people that said similar thing to what you just said. No, yeah, yeah. Now I'm throwing an actual like a an old Cortland 444. I just I just strung up. I got it. Yeah, it's funny that that's, a, that's a, a brand that's been around a long time. Yeah, it's a five weight double tapered. Yeah, do you like the double taper over a weight forward? Yeah, with how small creeks I, I fish, I tend to cut them in half and then get twice the line. Okay, because you can't you can't run out a whole line on a, a creek that I can jump across very easily. Right. And backing, so I think backing is pretty much all I need. So I got like the, I don't know, 25 yards of front line line to cast, and that's that's all I ever need on that setup at least. Talk to me about. I do keep a full line pool, but. Talk to me about your leader setup. Um, are you fishing mono? Are you fishing fluoro? What is your, um, you know, the weight of your tippet? What are you just fishing a tapered leader? What do, what are you throwing on the end of that line? I usually throw Maxima, and I, I tie my own leaders. I have I've been doing that for a few years, just because I, I feel like they sink faster when they have like a longer butt section of a big thing instead of a like a bigger diameter leader instead of a long taper. I feel like that drags on the water more yeah. for some reason, but it could just be my head. No, I agree. But I just use I just use Maxima Chameleon or Maxima Clear, Ultra Clear, and yeah. do a. Like there's so many tapers I've tried out, so I couldn't really spit out any measurements. But right, yeah, it's funny. That's so, I generally run leader. I agree with you 100 percent on that. Like when the tapered leader, I I actually hate throwing a tapered leader. I don't know what it is. I I feel like there's more drag too, and I always feel like it sinks better. With and that's exactly what I like to use. Is just straight, um, straight maxima, um, chameleon. Or ultra green. I, I really love that stuff. And I, I do the same thing. I just kind of, um, you know, I'll put like a four foot section and maybe like a three foot section and kind of go a little lighter and, and tip it. Maybe start out with an eight, go to a six and end up with a four. Um, how, how fine do you go on, on the end of that, that, uh, that leader section normally? Oh, I don't know. It sounds like our, our metrics might be different. Six uh, X would be the smallest I would ever go. Yeah. But I generally, I throw four to my top fly and usually throw five between the flies because I, I usually throw like a smaller midge or yeah. pupa pattern on the dropper. So Yeah, no, for sure. Um, And then you said uh, a lot of times you'll have a little split shot on there and then uh, that brass bead is enough to get it down? Yeah, usually it is. Mm-hmm. If not, I just add another split shot. You fish a, a lot of dry flies in, in your neck of the woods. Uh, during the summer, yeah, the spruce small patch up in the Gallon Canyon is pretty good. 
the the caddis hatch every mother's day there's a around mother's day out on the madison river i've been there where you couldn't even drive your truck too fast because there's so many bugs coming off the river you just couldn't see (laughs) they just splatter on your windshield it would be bad but when the hatches are coming like that i do but i'd say 90 percent of my fishing is nymphing underwater yeah that makes sense that makes sense and then i guess once the hopper season gets going it's game on yeah hopper to droppers the name of the game for two months out of the year while it's warm yeah good stuff so let's get back to to this project you, you you've undertaken here as far as uh making these indicators so um how did you learn to tie these is it something you just done for years or was it something you looked on youtube or um how did you figure out how to make these indicators I don't know. I think it's probably just like being around in fly shops and stuff. I've seen the yarn ones made with two O-rings mm-hmm. and it just kind of dawned on me one day when I saw, I was actually at a big sporting goods store, just picking up bulk fly tying supplies. And I saw a pack of these, they're, I think they're called wacky O's or something like that for okay. bait hunkers. Yeah. And they, they're, they're for like to hook a worm to your hook. And I looked at it and I was like, Oh, I could just get that and some fly tying foam makes some sweet indicators and after that i've just been using them and that was like three or four years ago that i did that yeah good stuff and so um if you just joined us um basically we're talking with chance reese he's out of manhattan montana uh just outside of bozeman he's a contractor there but he's an avid fly fisher and he's uh he's taking to making his own strike indicators saving up for uh kind of the the dream craft for for in and around your area and inflatable uh, not quite sure what kind, but uh, so how far, how how many indicators do you think you need to sell to get to where you need to be? Uh, I think if I sell 7,000, maybe 7,500, I could probably get like an entry-level setup <laughs> with paying taxes and et cetera, et cetera, you know. I, I love it, though. You've got a plan here, man. You're going to make it happen. How long do you think that'll take? I don't know. It might I don't know. It really depends on how hard, like if I can get some good marketing going and like, I've been working the Instagram kind of and stuff, but yeah. I'm like about a seventh of the way there right now. And I dropped it last Thursday. So, wow. Good for you. Hey man, I want to thank you for taking the time to uh, join us tonight. And I always love talking fly fishing and uh, I love what you're up to and I wish you luck with this. I know you're going to do it and then keep us posted on, on this epic uh, trip to float more rivers. Hey, I really appreciate you having me on here. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water. Mm-hmm.